0: welcome to another episode of jamming with jason i just felt like singing a little bit this morning we're going to add a little music to to today and hey who knows where it's going to go right but i'm joined by my friend sarah intonato and uh, she has a very very interesting story and message to share so i'm excited uh, to have one of my soul sisters on the podcast with me. Um so whatever you do, listen to this whole thing and I'm sure that something that we say today is going to really resonate with you, maybe sink down into your heart and you're going to feel it. So act on whatever those feelings are, right? That you might get because it's spirit coming through you, encouraging you to do something. So just have the courage to do it and see where it takes you, right? And again, as you, as you feel inspired to share this with other people so that this message can get out because that's the whole purpose why I do this, folks. I ain't making money doing it, right? I'm here to share. And that's what we're gonna do today with Sarah. So with that, let's roll that episode now. You are jamming with Jason Mefford, where you hear inspiring interviews with some amazing people. Some are famous, some may seem ordinary, And they are all doing extraordinary things to positively change the world. Sometimes it's just you and me having an intimate and authentic conversation about how you can change the world around you and rewrite the story of your life by being more authentic, accepting and loving yourself more, and spreading love to others. Since really, all you need is love. And what the world needs now is love, sweet love. We discuss all aspects of self-improvement, growth, and so much more. Great content, insightful advice that's practical and helpful to anyone that listens. You're always eager to come back for more and share with your friends and family since you learn something in every episode. So sit back and enjoy the easy listening while you feel seen and heard in this informative, Authentic and entertaining podcast. Now let's roll that beautiful podcast footage. All right, Sarah <laughs> I, I always like crack myself up when I do those introductions. So anyway.
1: <laughs> I love it. I'm having a great time.
0: Are you having a great time already? Oh, right. that's, that's the idea, right? I mean, if we have a great time, then other people that are listening are going to have a great time too. So,
1: um,
0: you know, I know, I mean, we don't know exactly where this is going to go because this is the way I, it's how I roll, right? Oh, wow. A little resonance from my drum on that one. Did you pick that one up? All right. Uh, it's, it's happy that we're talking today too. So, um, but I know you've got a new book out. Um, you've got maybe a different but similar path in your life uh to what other people do so so maybe let, let's start off just share a little bit about about the book
1: sure.
0: um, where people can get it because I know it's it's coming out now or very soon uh so that if 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 it resonates with people they can go pick it up and you know at the end of the episode we'll try to do that again but you know, take it away, share, share a little bit, because I think it'll also share a little bit about who you are right. for people listening to.
1: Thank you. I am so stoked to be here. My book is called emotional healing for parents of children with autism. And I am one as well. And I have two children, a boy and a girl and my son who's 13 is named Rocco. He's on the autism spectrum. He's classified as nonverbal. I, Use the term non speaker because nonverbal implies that you don't necessarily understand words or mm-hmm. resonate with that type of communication. But um, non speaker is a more accurate term because he does have a voice. It just comes forth differently than the typical person. And I would say this book is a culmination of my journey as a parent because I began spiritual study of the ancient yogic science when I was in my late teens, early 20s, just as a means to heal myself, feel better in my own being, in my body, in my mind, not really knowing where else it would take me in my life. And then thankfully, when I became a parent and then a couple of years later, a parent to a child whose life looks very different after being diagnosed with autism than the life most parents anticipate having, I already had years of spiritual practice under my belt. I was anchored in habits, practices that allowed me to remain present, allowed me to heal things that needed healing, and allowed me to embrace the life that was right in front of me, which is really beautiful, instead of wondering why, coulda, woulda, shoulda, did I do something wrong? Does this mean that my life is not going to be peaceful or joyful anymore? All those questions that come when you receive a big detour in life. And I didn't really think I was doing anything exceptional at the time because I was really just focused on my own journey. I had my head down parenting my own child. I have two children who are 18 months apart. So it was very consuming when they were small. And I really put all of my energy into being with them and nurturing my growing yoga business, which I was and still am very passionate about. It wasn't until I picked my head up when my son was around 10 and looked around and realized, Oh, other parents don't have these tools. They're not, they're not thriving. They're very much in survival mode. They feel isolated. They feel overwhelmed with stress and worry. And fear, and maybe now I've healed enough to share something with them. And that's how this book came to be. So, the book is equal parts memoir, telling my story, and also imparting spiritual practices in small, bite sized pieces that they can start to bring into their day at home, whether or not they have a lot of support or care for their child's needs or not. Um, And that's really important to me because I have seen a lot of themes come up now that I have a consulting practice and working with this population and helping these families in that the parents will pour any resource, amount of energy, time, money into helping their child and very little, if any, into helping themselves. And what I'm starting to hear echoed back is something that I've always felt but now I'm hearing doctors, therapists, specialists say the same, is that these kids have unlimited potential. They're beautiful. They're excited to be on this planet, but they're dynamic in the home, because the parents are so stressed, no, by no fault of their own. And I say this without judgment, because I certainly had those moments, but because the parents are so stressed, the energy in the home is not As supportive as it could be. It's not as empowering for everyone in the family as it could be. And only when the parents look inward and take the time to do their own healing work can they really elevate their child to the place where they desire. So it's uncomfortable for parents who aren't used to looking inward, who aren't used to spending time on themselves. They feel guilty doing that. Shouldn't I be? doing more for my kid. Um, But it's a resounding yes. When I say, is this the thing that's going to help your child most? Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think it's one of those things. So much of life tends to be the opposite of what we are taught. It's supposed to be right. I mean, so, you know, a lot of, like you said, parents with children with special needs are kind of, They're in that, that, that martyr kind of the thing, right? I've got to do everything for my child and they never end up doing the minimum, at least what they need for themselves. They feel burned out. They feel alone. They feel isolated, you know, all those kinds of things that you talked about. And I think it's, it's interesting, you know, because whether, you know, people that are listening, whether you have a special needs child or not, right we all have different challenges different tests in in you know our our dharmic plan that we chose when we came to this earth right and i think you know kind of what what you made mention to of well did i do something wrong right and and i remember you know there's there's a there's a part in the new testament um you know, where, where Jesus is talking to somebody. And I think, I think a a child with a special needs kind of came for. They saw, they saw it. And the people that were around him said, well, is that because of the sins of the parent or because of the sins of the child? And he's kind of like, uh, what, (laughs) right? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right? It's like, it's neither right and 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 i think so many people regardless of what the challenge happens to be are you choosing to be the kind of person who thinks life is down on you and punishing you or can you see it as such a blessing right i mean i haven't met your son personally right in the flesh yeah but i've known a lot of special needs people over my life, right? I mean, one of my sons is kind of borderline on some of the stuff, right? And and when I was a little kid, right? I was extremely shy. I was non a non-speaker. I would hide from people. I would not talk to people, right? And so you know, now to, for people to see me they'd be like, "What?" No, I am like a huge introvert. Yeah. Okay. But I, but I show up and I play an extrovert on my podcasts and when I'm working, right. Right. Because that's part of, of what I have to share. But I, I guess where I was going is, you know, what we label, which is wrong to even label, but of saying, you know, Rocco is special needs. He's a beautiful soul. Yeah. He is so sweet. He is so beautiful. And what a privilege for you to have the honor of being his mother in this life.
1: I'm so glad you went there because I think really the healing that I was referring to before was the healing that I had to do to be able to see that. Because when you become a parent, you never plan to become a parent to a kid with needs, you just plan to become a parent maybe. And there's no guide manual that falls from the sky when you have a child of any kind, never mind a child with needs that says, this is how you do it. And I think growing up in a very achievement-based household with one, I have wonderful parents by the way, but they were really committed to giving me a better life than they had. And they made that clear that that was a goal of theirs. And I put a lot of self-imposed pressure on my own being to really live like that. And, and um, I think my need- You and me both, yeah. you and me
0: both, right? Me yeah. both, right? I always yeah. say
1: I'm a recovered perfectionist. That's why mm-hmm. I needed the yoga to begin with to help me untangle the anxiety and the stress and all the self-hatred that I was putting on myself for not being good enough in any particular way. And yoga really brought me that piece. It taught me how to be with myself and love myself. I still practice it daily. And I do that because it's my medicine. So I take it as seriously as if I were taking it as medicine, because it is. And Rocco has been medicine in an entirely new way. All these things that I thought I healed, I came face to face with again when I had a child who I didn't know if he would go to college or not. I don't know if he will get married or not. I don't know if that's any interest up to him to be honest I he'll as he communicates more and more through spelling and text and all of that he's sharing more of himself which is really exciting but when this was new in my life my knee jerk reaction was what did I do wrong that hurt him and then I spent some time going in retrospect but wait a minute I was trying to do everything right. I gave birth to my kids at home with no drugs. I nursed them exclusively. They never had a drop of formula. I made their baby food from organic produce from the farms down the road. I spent time with them. They didn't have a lot of screen time. And how could this happen to him when I'm sure there's a mom somewhere giving their kid McDonald's three times a day and sticking them in front of the boob tube whose kid is fine, right? going into self-pity, why me, going into my victimhood, I must've done something wrong. And eventually, as I did my own healing and continued my spiritual practice, poured myself into it because it was the only thing I knew how to do, thank goodness, um, realized, oh, there's nothing wrong here. In fact, this is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And what a gift to my life that I get to see it through a lens that's so different that I have the honor of needing to be present because I have this being here who requires that of me. I can't be checked out when I'm with him. I can't be scrolling social media and spending time with him. Like it it just does not work. And what a gift that my life requires me to be this present so that I can experience this level of joy. And I'll never forget I knew my husband and I had come a long way with this when last year it was snowing and winter freezing here in Montauk. So there's not a lot to do in the Hamptons when it's cold (laughs) out. So we threw Rocco. I threw him in the car with my daughter and three of her friends to take them to the bowling alley and the video arcade, just to get out of the house for a while. And He's sitting in the front seat with me, you know, happy as can be. And the girls in the back are, they're so good. All these kids, but they're teenage girls. They're loud. You know, they're singing songs out of tune. They're, it's like <laughs> the noise level just goes way, way up. What do you have preteen girls in the car? And Rocco's just there, this and that. It's happy, content, present, loving life. And then we get home, you know, I hand off to my husband. He drives some of the girls home and he comes back. He's like, oh, these neurotypical kids are nowhere near as pure or as special as my beautiful Rocco is. And we had a laugh about it. Like, isn't that amazing how we see the gifts of him now and how in some ways he's easier than a typical a neurotypical person. In some ways mm-hmm. he's more pure and more joyful. And, and in some ways it is more challenging just in the day-to-day stuff. But we weren't able to see that in the beginning before we did our healing work when we were personalizing it or wondering what we did wrong. And, and it's just an immense gift to go through life with what, you know, what I can describe as just this intensely spiritual perceptive being who is my child. And, you know, we always half jokingly, half jokingly, I know aliens were in the news in the last week or something like that. Um,
0: oh, you want to go there on the podcast? Well, well
1: I, I was going to say, my husband always joke like if the mother lands in the backyard to pick Rocco up and bring him back to wherever he came from, like we wouldn't be surprised at all and would be totally down <laughs> because, like, yeah. he's here to teach us something, not the other way around. And I always, it, it, it honestly really helps me when I have to do the parenting things that really involve the non spiritual world or people, like the school meetings or the things with other people who don't see his gifts or, you know, the structures that are commonplace in society for people with needs that are not really supportive of them, but they exist. And, and you can take that really personally. If you aren't grounded in your spirituality, you can be upset by those people and those things. But instead I remind myself like, He's from another realm anyway. Like they don't need to get it. It's okay. Yeah, I I get it. We have this connection, and I see his gifts. And my job as his parent is to help him show the world his gifts and do the work he's here to do, whatever that looks like. And I can only do that if I am my best and grounded in who I am and centered. And that's really what I'm about. That's really what this book is about. And it's not about being a parent to control my kid's journey or have him measure up to these standards in life that may or may not matter, but to make sure that he's here to be the best version of himself with whatever that's meant to be during his purpose on this planet.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, there were several things in there where I'd kind of like to go that you just had kind of brought out, but you know, I know, I mean, I know what it's like to have a car full of teenage girls, right? <laughs> I mean, okay, I, I had four kids of my own, and yeah. I know what it is like, right? Yeah. And you kind of made a comment. You're like, you know, sometimes it's actually easier, yeah. right? It, it it can be easy if you if you choose to let it be easy, right? If you choose to vibrate and have a frequency of love, and present moment, and peace of where he is, it's very easy to interact with him, right? It's very easy to do that. It's very easy for you to go through whatever you're dealing with. Yeah. What, what is hard is when we get sucked back into the 3D, going to those PTA meetings, feeling like we have to control, we have to shush the teenagers in the back, we have to you know, do all these different things, then all of a sudden, we're moving our frequency away from where we should be all the time anyway. Right. And so again, it's like, it can be easy if you want it to be. But sometimes that means these spiritual practices mean we, we distance ourselves from some of those other things that don't really matter. Right. It's like, if you're on the PTA board and it just drives you fucking batty every time you go to it and you feel so stressed and the people's drama, well, guess what? Get off the PTA board, right? Now, the world would tell you, oh, Sarah, you're not a good parent if you're not there dealing with everything on the PTA, blah, 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 right? But it doesn't matter They're going to do what they're going to do anyway, right? right, Do you want to get entangled in their drama? I don't, right? So I like to say, hey, I love watching my drama in movies and TV, but I don't want it in my life, right? So if you're a drama person, you go over there. I'll watch you from a distance and I might laugh and and have a fun all time, but I don't want to get pulled into it, Right. right? But it takes courage to actually do that and to have enough self-love to realize sarah is a great mother whether she's on the pta board or not absolutely in fact she's probably a better mother by not being on the pta board
1: by not giving her peace away and coming home in it a... huh. exactly
0: yeah. exactly exactly right and i and i think too you know you kind of mentioned at the beginning and you just said it here too that i, I kind of want to go there is so much of the world tells us what's right and what's wrong. They tell us what's successful, right? I mean, again, people, people would expect, well, you know, Rocco's he got to grow up. He's got to graduate from high school. He's got to go to college. He's got to get a job that earns him money. He's got to get married and have kids. And if you don't do all those things, then there's something wrong with you. But those things don't matter. It doesn't matter whether you have children. It doesn't matter whether you get married. It doesn't matter what you do for a job. It doesn't matter how much money you make or don't make at the right. end of the day, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And and I think what's so beautiful is that when we can start to see each other for the uniqueness, the authentic person being behind and the gifts that they bring it's a beautiful world right because if we're all the same it's all the same old blah 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 right and I love people that are weird I love people that are quirky
1: can you You come to Montauk because we're all here
0: (laughs) I know well (laughs) some of us are over here too right you know it's like it's like when I went you know when you cut your hair I'm like you go, girl. Right. I've got this crazy thing on my chin. Right. It looks it looks ridiculous. And my brother and my dad makes fun of me What's the little billy goat doing, oh, 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 you know, kind of thing. And it's like, fuck you. Right. I mean, I don't well, say that to their awesome. face, but it's like it's I can have facial hair if I want to. I can be different if I want to.
1: Right. And I
0: think especially with um, because of my professional background, I knew about Temple Grandin as well, which I'm sure, you know, again, you're very familiar with her. And I just love her. You know, she, she rubs people wrong a lot of times because she just says the truth. She just speaks her mind. And I love, I love the message that she's given and, and the things that she has done for this world that a lot of people don't even realize. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with with her involvement in the cattle industry, because, again, one of my one of my companies, we were in the cattle industry. We knew her, uh, you know, and, and tried to start slaughtering more humanely in mm-hmm. some of the ways that she was she she was talking about. But I remember I, I think it was one of the TED Talks or something that she she gave where she really impassioned. And. <laughs> came out
1: and said, you know. When the world can finally accept people
0: who are different and see the gifts that we bring, right? This world can be such a better place, right? Because, because other people like her, like your son, like other people, they see the world differently. 100%. And, and and when they share, when they, when they come up with some of these ideas, I mean, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, and it makes, the pl- it makes the world such a better place. And it's like, I, I'm tired of people putting people who are different in boxes and telling them that there's something wrong with them, right? We need, we need to embrace and hug everybody and love everybody for who they are. Allow everybody to do their art the way that they do it. You might not like it. right? That's fine. Somebody else loves it. Right. I mean, imagine, imagine if all the music in the world was the same.
1: It would be so boring. It
0: would be so boring, wouldn't it?
1: So boring. Yes. And to speak to what you're saying, we have to remember that many societal systems, structures, including the way schools work, even special ed classes and things like that were created in a way that neurotypical people can understand and get down with. So even though they do their best, I believe, I really do believe they do their best to support individuals with needs. It may or may not work for you and your family. You may have to be bold and say, this does or does not work for me. I need you to change this. I need you to work with me. That's not my kid. It might work for every other kid here, but not mine. And that's where doing your inner work is really powerful and important. But also I remember there was one day a few years ago, you and I share a spiritual path in common, and so we both know the power of dreams and dream time and and I was on the newer end of working with dreams and at this time, and I'd had a day that felt intense in the parenting world, and I'd had to deal with a lot of external people and opinions and things and probably involved a lot of advocating for my kid, and that takes a lot of energy and as I was getting to bed at night, I was tired and I was wondering, you know what, do I believe what they're saying? It doesn't really resonate with me. I don't know. Like, I'm just going to go to bed and, you know, tomorrow will be a new day and I'll have more clarity. I never have clarity when I'm tired. And so I went to sleep and I woke up and did my meditation. By the time I got around to checking my phone, I had text messages from three different people all saying something similar, it said, Hey, yesterday I had a really difficult day. I went to bed. Rocco came to me in dream time, healed me. I woke up, I felt better. Tell him I said hi in the real world, what we think is the real world, you know, and thank <laughs> you, and thank you. And three different people in one day. And I remember thinking, Who's to say that the work he's doing now? Mm-hmm. healing people in a way that maybe others don't understand is not more important on this planet than being the president of the United States. You know, for example, what if the work he's doing is so powerful, even if people don't understand it, am I willing to hold that vision? What if my role here is just to support him and taking it, excellent care of himself so that he's available to do that type of energetic healing. And the more people I speak to who have a spiritual path, the more I realize, like, oh yeah, this is part of the reason why he's here. I remember when I was pregnant, my husband and I thought, you know, what's our first child going to be like? We have no idea. He's going to be, he or she's going to be their own person. And what are they going to be like? And We both said, well, we don't know, but I hope we have one that changes the world. Hmm. Exactly what we got.
0: Well, and uh, I mean, I'm sitting here smiling for people that are watching the video as you're, as you're saying that, because I'm getting older. Right. And, um, I don't believe most of the shit that I was taught anymore. (laughs) Right. And and I, I can promise from personal experience that exactly what you're saying is true. And again, people don't believe me. I don't care. Right. But the most important work that any of us can do in this world, other people do not see it. The most important work that we can do is not what other people see. And so the more we can be in those in that state of well-being, in that state of gratitude, in healing ourselves, in making ourselves, you know, I've started using the analogy of, you know, really all you've got to do, Sarah, is clean your instrument and tune it. That's all you got to do. Just, just every day, clean your instrument. Tune it the best you can. And every day, just do that. Yeah. Because other things are happening when you do that, that we are not conscious of. And like you said, what we think of as the, as the real world, right? And so, again, the fact that three different people told you that Rocco came to them in their dreams and healed them, that ain't a coincidence. Okay. I I know all the statistics, scientific, risk management, all that I got all I got all that academic training. Okay. It is statistically impossible, statistically impossible for that to happen. The rest of the world would say, but it did happen, didn't it? It happened. And it was synchronistic. And that work that you did during the day, advocating for him, put him in a place where he could help others heal. And my goodness, what better service can we give to the world than to help somebody else heal?
1: This is so important. I think it's making me reflect on something I've been doing even this week, which is writing down a list of the reasons why I'm successful in my life because I'm about to publish a book. I'm making some different career changes. I've had some things to give to my publisher and that involves things of, you know, why should people read this book? Why is this important? Why is this message important? So it's taken me into some deep introspective places and, you know, I've looked at, well, what does success mean to you and how do you define it? And, you know, I love money unless you live under a rock, you need it in this world, but is that the only measure of success? What if there are other ones? What if having a child who is spiritually tuned in and able to heal people and feels comfortable and safe enough in his own home that he's able to surrender and do that is What's that worth? You know, Is that a measure of success? Why wouldn't it be? And it's been fascinating to really explore that and recognize that You can define success however you want to go back to what you were talking about before. A lot of what we are learning in school or externally about what success means may or may not resonate with you, but are you confident? Have you done your own healing enough to define success on your terms and live in accordance with your values so that every morning when you wake up, you feel great about your role on this planet in this lifetime? regardless of what it looks like to someone else.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's the, um, you know, and again, what I'm going to say is it's going to sound wacky and crazy to a lot of people listening, but I don't care. Okay. Rocco came to this world, not needing to do some of the same stuff that you and I need to do. Mm-hmm. Rocco doesn't need some of the healing that you and I need. There's nothing to heal in him. If he is in the present moment, if he is loving, if that's just his disposition, it doesn't matter whether he speaks words or not, right? It doesn't matter. And he probably doesn't need the healing, but we all do, right? And again, it's like, it's what a what a blessing for people like that to be, you know, come in and out of our lives at different points to kind of remind us of that right and so so I want to kind of go go here to your healing as well because I think you know as I've coached people in leadership and other stuff over the years it's people always reflect what we're doing right and so, like we said, I mean, the fact that when he's in those states and you're in those states, there's nothing to do. You're just at peace. you're you're perfect. you're whole with each other, right? Um, but it's when we get out of that that things start start, I mean, he's more sensitive. So if you're feeling anxiety, if you're right, he's gonna feel that. and to him, it's like a dog whistle's going off or something, right? You might not recognize it, but he does. And so then he's going to act out a little bit more if you want to call it that. That's what people call it. It's not that. But, but when you mirror back and you get yourself back to the place where you need to be, everything takes care of itself, right? And it's that way in, in leadership, in relationships, and everything else. It's like we're always trying to heal or change the other person but if you just take the same amount of time and heal yourself, everything else around you fixes itself. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And Absolutely. so and so maybe talk about I know you kind of you went there a little bit but I I want to kind of, you know, share with people and again not to give away everything in the book cuz people should go buy the book and and read it, right? But but what are some of the things that you've had to heal or some of the ways that you've been able To do that, because we kind of touched on some of them a little tangentially, but I I just want to go a little deeper so people can can see and understand that they're not alone.
1: Yes, there's other
0: people going through this. There's other people, you know that, hey, some days it's hard being a human. Yes. And it's okay. You just do the best you can clean your instrument and tune it the best you can tomorrow try to do a little better.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like I had the privilege of receiving a permission slip when Rocco was newly diagnosed and he was only two years old because I had been given an expert, an early intervention therapist who I really vibed with. She's very spiritual. I still work with her. She'd become a mentor to me. But one of the first things she said to me when she came to my house and saw my beautiful two-year-old and Started to teach me about autism and parenting, and, and what he might be experiencing was she looked me in the face. She had this fiery red hair. Her name's Anne. She still has fiery red hair, and she's got a Brooklyn accent, and she's <laughs> she's super spiritual and super feisty in her bold delivery. And I love her. And she looked at me when I said, "Seth, if your kid is not resonating with you, he's not the problem. You're the problem." go check yourself. And I was just like, thank you. You just signed my permission slip for my daily yoga practice and not feeling guilty about it and making sure I sleep at night and making sure that if I need to go take an Epsom salt bath and be by myself for 20 minutes, I can do that because that will make me better so that when I come out, I'm able to be present with him. So in the book, what I lay out for people are tools from the ancient science of yoga, mostly, that allow them to start to peel back the layers of what might be frying their nervous system, start to heal it, start to look at themselves with more appreciation and more awareness and clarity and presence, so that they can then go to their family, their child's needs and feel like, all right, I'm able to connect with you now. It's okay if this gets uncomfortable. It's okay if we don't have the answers in this moment. It's okay if we go to the grocery store and you have a meltdown because I can take a deep breath. I've got this one breath at a time. Even if you melt down in the store, we'll slowly make our way to the car. We don't have to stress. It's okay. I've got your back. And when your child feels that energy of I've got your back, there is nothing more healing. There is nothing more supportive for them. And on the flip side, there is nothing that provokes, I'll use the word behaviors, though I think behavior is a way of communicating, whether people want to admit it or not. What provokes anxiety, what provokes explosive tendencies very often in the work that I do with something called relationship development intervention, which is the exact modality that Annie works from and that I've since become certified in myself. I'm in the certification process now. Get yourself regulated so that you can go co-regulate with your kid is that a child can feel incensed when the adult who's supposed to be, I guess I'll use the word in charge, is not feeling confident, is stressed, is checked out, is not present. And it's that feeling that makes them feel nervous and afraid because they think, well, I'm I'm not qualified to be the guide here, I'm just a kid. So that's very often when you start to see more challenging tendencies from a child because they can feel that the adult in their life is not confident. And I often see parents who love their children incredibly, but are giving their power away and handing their child off to all the therapists or the experts because they deep down believe I'm not an expert in autism or ADHD or knees or of any kind. I don't have the master's degree or the PhD in that. I am not good enough to help my kids. So I'm just going to hand them off to these experts who know what they're doing. And really all the parent needs to do is ground and center themselves enough to be that guide, that leader in that particular moment with whatever you're doing, whether it's reading a book together or putting some apples in your grocery cart. That's what your child wants. They're craving connection with you. And when I asked my mentor, Annie, this question, I was blown away by her answer. And what I asked her was, you know, Annie, you're in your 60s now. You've been working with individuals with needs, autism predominantly for 30 years. Have you ever met a kid who doesn't want to connect with the person who's with them? Because often you read about autism and it says, oh, these kids want to isolate. They're not interested in the relationship. They don't want to join in activities or whatnot. And her answer blew me away and also didn't surprise me at all. She said, not once in 30 years have I met a kid who didn't want to connect at the very least with his or her parent or teacher, the closest person in their life. They didn't know how. They couldn't initiate that connection. But when the parent was able to step in and be that strong guide, that leader, and throw them the olive branch, they grabbed, they wanted that connection. But for the parents who weren't confident, they took it personally and kept thinking, well, my kid doesn't want to connect with me. We can't bond. We can't grow together. We can't enjoy Or have peace in our home because we're not connected. And I've never forgotten that. That conversation was years ago, and I've never forgotten that. And it's such a powerful reminder for me in my work and with this book of your work as a parent might be getting yourself in a state so that you're ready to connect. Maybe it's not doing all the things right. Maybe it's not signing your kid up for all the things that. People say they're supposed to do on the news. Maybe it's not, you know, getting them perfect scores in school. Maybe your work as a parent is to invest your time and energy, getting yourself into that place that is so grounded, so healed, so present that if you're washing dishes with your kid, if you're helping them de escalate when they've been in a meltdown, that time is so quality it becomes special, no matter how unglamorous the activity is. And that's really what I want people to take away as they go and explore this book, because a lot of life is boring and unglamorous or messy. A lot of parenting is messy. Even if you have neurotypical kids, human Mm -hmm. relationship can be messy. So how can you make it joyful even amidst the mess is what I think. The juicy part of this work is really about
0: well and i think it's interesting too right because i mean again some of the people listening <clears throat> are going to have special needs children and they're going to totally get it right other people are going to be like well that's great for sarah but you know i just want to to recap and summarize for some of you that think that what she just said doesn't apply to you okay and i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little tough love for you people but this is true with any of our relationships. And there is a thing called sympathetic resonance in sound, right? If I hit a tuning fork at a certain frequency, other things around that tuning fork will start to try to resonate at that same thing. So for example, if I had two tuning forks in my hand and I hit one of them and they're the same frequency. And I just, I hit the one and I just set it here. The other one will start vibrating at that same frequency. And so this happens in our personal relationships as well, right? Whether it's with a child, whether it's with a, a lover or a partner or a brother or a sister or a father or a mother, it doesn't matter and you, you will have people have meltdowns and tantrums in the store of your life if you are not vibrating at the right frequency. Now, some people, you don't want to vibrate like they do, okay? I told you, I don't like drama. People who gossip, people who are into their own shit and, and try to play drama and try to stir the pot and get other people to feel that way. Sorry. Boundary. Right. You won't even notice it, but all of a sudden I'm not there. Oof, I'm gone. Right. I'm not going to mix with that. Right. You mix with it. You get wet with it. Right. And, you know, with somebody like Rocco, he's almost always at that state of peace, right? And so if he's having a meltdown, it's because the people around him have moved out of his frequency, right? And so, you know, again, it might be you. It might just be somebody else in the store, right? Because they pick up on energy. Somebody might have walked by who was having a really shitty day and was putting out a bunch of bad energy if you will that he picks up on and it's in it and it hurts him it hurts his soul to yeah. feel that right and so he doesn't know what to do so he acts out right that's what we call it. you're acting out right no he's trying to separate himself from something that's harming him but he doesn't know how to do it right right, right. yes and so so the so the better that we can get because If you really want to connect with people, you have to vibrate the same as they do.
1: Right. And I will also add to that, that we can't discount being comfortable in your physical body, because as I learned in my yogic study, if your body is sick or uncomfortable, it's a constant distraction. Think of if you've ever tried to sit and meditate and you have intense back pain. Constant distraction. You can't get to that enlightened state or even a state of being present if you're not thinking, oh, this pain is so painful. Am I going to feel it again tomorrow? Am I going to feel it again in three months? You know, am I going to be able to sleep tonight? Constant distraction. And individuals with autism often have very sensitive biomes, not just very sensitive energy fields. So I cannot emphasize enough that the food we eat in our house is really nurturing and clean. The habits we have to take care of our bodies for him and for me for all of us are really important because his body is sensitive more so than other people in our house and if he's not feeling well it can look like acting out at times or just feeling upset at times but often nine times out of ten with him it's his way of saying I don't feel good And I don't know how to bring my body into that state of harmony. And that's a constant distraction. And I say that because I think that's true for everyone. You know, look at yourself if you haven't slept well for a few nights. Are you in your best state of functioning? Probably not. And yet when you do the things that bring you into a more harmonious state, everything feels better. And I think that goes hand in hand with, the energy it's both. And they feed into one, one another, in my opinion. And so we want to make sure that we are taking good care of the body that we've been given in this lifetime, because that can support us or it can lower our vibration if we're not taking good care of it and nurturing it too. So for me, it's both. And I think that when you, you, look at both it can be really empowering in terms of how you feel and how you're able to act and react in any situation. But I also wanted to go back to when you were saying how you don't get involved in the drama, neither do I. And it's funny to watch people who have drama and want to share it completely bypass me because they know I'm not available to engage in it and give it to other relatives or friends or family member because <laughs> they know I'm just not even going to waste my time. But There's a yoga sutra, yoga sutra 233 in the ancient um, yoga sutras of Patanjali that quotes, as I'll say the Sanskrit first, vitarka baddhane pratipaksha bhavanam. And that sutra comes into into play in the middle of the yamas and the niyamas being laid out, which are almost like the 10 commandments of of yoga, of how you govern yourself and how you govern other people. And pratipaksha bhavanam is a principle that kind of comes down to, literally it means to see through someone else's eyes. So when you're at an impasse, when someone's coming at you with drama and you don't want it, when your child's having a meltdown and you need to help them de-escalate, how do you do that? Well, you make an attempt to see through someone else's eyes, put yourself in the other person's shoes. But A crucial point here is that you can't do that successfully if you're not able to be fully present and have clarity first. So when I was studying this for the first time, I would speak to my Sanskrit and chanting teacher about it. And I would say, you know, well, what happens if you're at an impasse and everyone's fired up and, you know, you're clearly not in a state of yoga, what should you do? And her answer was really simple and powerful step away, go take a walk, watch a movie if you need to, do your yoga practice, eat a grounding meal, take, take some sleep. And you know, I remember when my husband and I were getting married, we'd been married for 16 years, all the old Italian relatives love to give advice. And they would all <laughs> they would all say, you know what
0: you're <laughs> supposed to do, I said that.
1: And they would all say, <laughs> never go to bed angry. You know, in other words, like hash it out as long as you need to, but don't go to bed angry as if the world was going to explode because you went to bed angry. And so it was wild to study this principle, Bhavanam, and the idea that it's better to step away and go to bed and de-escalate yourself and then reconvene when you're able to have clarity than it is to say things you're gonna have to apologize for later, make a bigger mess. Or, you know, have you ever tried to Deescalate someone when both of you are escalated. It's like the chicken or the egg. Nobody can successfully co-regulate with the other because no one's regulated in their own being first. So go regulate yourself essentially is what she was saying. Then come back. And then even if you do not res- get to a resolution with whatever you're dealing with, you will feel more at peace within yourself because you've been able to see through the other person's eyes. And I think whether you have a child with autism, whether you have a partner or a spouse or a parent or anyone in your life who you have to relate with and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it takes more work. This is part of the work being able to say, "Hey, we need a minute." And let's go take a minute and then come back. And even if I don't get what you're saying, even if I don't agree with what you're doing, I've taken a pause. I've made the effort to see through your eyes now. So even if I don't agree with it, I have a better understanding of why you're acting the way you're acting. That brings me peace and I can move along. And this is something that I use in parenting. It's something that I use in life, period. And and knowing myself enough to know I need to step away now and give it a minute and I'll come back to you when I am regulated because nothing good is going to happen if I'm dysregulated.
0: Yeah. And I think it's um, to kind of go along with that. One of the things that I was taught that's at least been helpful for me to kind of visualize is, you know, imagine that every day we wake up fully charged, right? Like, like we have a little battery in us and every day we wake up and we're fully charged. Mm -hmm and there are things that we can do during the day to add energy to our battery like an alternator in the car right that's recharging our battery there's things that suck suck energy right if your lights are on in your car it's going to be taking some energy right different things like this right and and so like you said when you when you get into it with somebody and you start escalating or you get you start getting entangled in somebody's drama, okay, or you start feeling shame, or a lot of these different things just really suck your battery quick, right? And the problem for most of this, and I've been guilty of this and, um, until i had been placing more awareness on it, is sometimes we let our battery get down to like flashing light, like, holy shit, you're going to die if you don't plug yourself back in, Right. And what if instead, if we could start to regulate and realize, like you said, if you're in an escalation with somebody, they are sucking you dry very fast, right? And it's like, before you get to that halfway mark, right, it's better to say, I need a timeout, separate yourself, go watch a movie and laugh, do a yoga practice, do a meditation, do something, Feel grateful, do something. A lot of these practices, I'm sure, that are in your book, wink, wink, right, <laughs> to help recharge your battery, right, so that you can do it. I mean, I've I've told my my partners and wives, you know, it's like, don't come to me at eight or nine o'clock at night,
1: same, and and want to
0: have a deep conversation. It's not going to happen. By that point, I'm already checking out. I'm already tired. I'm doing what I can to prepare myself for for bed. I will not have a deep conversation with you at that time. You ask me a question, you're going to get a wall, right? And it's okay. like I'm not being rude, but I'm telling you right now. You know, if you want to have those kind of conversations, we need to have them in the morning after I've woken up, or sometime during the day, right? Because at that point, my battery is lower because You know, not of the shit that I'm getting into, but just because it takes energy to live every day, right? And then we got to recharge. That's why we have to sleep, right? right? And, and, you know, the more that we can do that and set those boundaries. And I think too that it's, we're told like we can't do that. I mean, like you said, you know, your in laws and other people in the family are telling you don't go to bed mad, right? They're telling you that that's what you should do. But, a lot of times, again, the opposite is exactly what you need to do. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. fighting it out is just going to get both of you down to a blinking light. Somebody's going to say something that you can't take back.
1: Right. And the cleanup work is much more time and energy consuming than it is to just.
0: Well, and I think I think it's it's okay for people to know, right? And again, I know this is one of the things you're sharing with parents like you of, it's okay to have the boundaries. Yeah. It's o- it's okay to do the timeout. It's okay to go have the Epsom salt bath, right? Yes. Um, it's okay to do these things because we all need it, right? And we're all here for each other, right? You know. Again, I mean, single parenting is is more difficult but again there's other people in in your life who can probably help out you know where it's like you've got a neighbor or a friend or somebody and it's like look I just need 20 minutes right I just need to go lay my head down for 20 minutes you know can you come over and just you know sit with with my kid for 30 minutes sure right Um, but it's okay to ask for what we need
1: Absolutely. I have a boundary that I love, which is, I don't text about big life things. You can call me, or we can have a face to face conversation. I'm happy to text about, you know, my husband, like, don't forget to pick the kids up at seven, or, you know, can you grab this at the store on the way home. But if real life things need to be discussed, I put a boundary up reminder. Love you. I'm available if you want to talk about this face to face. I'm not available to text about it. It wastes my time. It takes a lot longer. It drains my energy. I don't know exactly what you mean or the tone that you have. It's confusing. I don't do it. And I'm sorry if that's inconvenient for you. And I say this to a lot of people in my life. And it requires sometimes people to pick up the phone or it requires them to admit that they're not, it's not that important and they're looking for drama. (laughs) They can go (laughs) somewhere else, one or the other. But, but (laughs) let them know if it is important to you, I'm glad to make the time.
0: Yeah, I, especially when I was, I'm laughing because I kind of set a boundary like that when I was in the corporate world too. And I still do it even, even now is when somebody will send me an email or a text or something like that, that I usually just wait and I don't respond. I don't, I don't even say, Hey, I love you. Um, I just let it be. And almost invariably whatever problem or shit the other person was getting into goes away
1: yeah.
0: without needing my involvement.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, again, that's, that's a lesson that I've had to learn and, and I'm continuing to learn, right. Because I like to help people. I like to make people's lives better. I like to serve people. Right. And I'm not going to stop doing that. Yeah, but I'm also not going to kill myself in trying to do things for other people that they have to do for themselves because that makes us codependent and it actually hurts the other person right because then they don't have the life skills to know how to deal with it I mean I had a relationship that way where I kind of did all these things in the background. The other person had no idea how to do any of this stuff. So when the relationship ended, it's like, ah, right. I mean, it was huge turmoil for the other person because I'd probably done too much and hadn't allowed that other person to stand in their own power and know how to take care of themselves.
1: It's so crucial. So it's crucial and it can feel edgy. Mm. And It can feel doubly edgy when it's your child. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen in parenting a child who's different is that if I don't allow him to find his way and learn to do things on his own, it is very much to his detriment. How will he go into the world and be an independent adult? How will he live alone? How will he take care of his health and his daily needs if I'm always hovering? To do it for him and that sometimes means you have to be okay with the messy phase it's like cleaning out a closet it's going to look worse in that room before it looks better when you've taken everything out of the closet and everything's on the floor and you have piles of things to donate and things to keep and things to clean and you know it's a mess it probably Story looked- of my
0: life the last I- few months i know I- yes,
1: Yeah, it, it probably looked cleaner when the mess was just hidden in the closet and the doors were closed but then you open the closet and you clean it up and for me, parenting, that looks like, okay, so my child's 13 now. He needs to learn how to do his own laundry. It might take twice as long as it does if I were to step in and do it for him. When he does something in the kitchen, it might get three times as messy in the kitchen as it does if I were to just make it for him. There's an inconvenience in that it takes more time, it can take more energy, but the trade off is that. He's becoming empowered in his own being. And these are small, safe examples. But if you don't start practicing that in the small, safe ways, how are you ever going to do it in the big ways when you have to tell someone, this is yours, go with it. You're going to learn something really powerful here. I can't do that learning for you. So practicing it in those small ways is really crucial.
0: Well, and, and, and practicing it in those small ways is also for you. Right, because it, it, when it takes three times as long, our tendency is to uh, wanna do it for people, to step in or to get frustrated, like, why are you so fucking slow, right? But it's an opportunity for us to practice the patience and practice the love mm-hmm. and just be in the moment right i mean i i have i have certain tests that come up in my life that are just for me to practice not losing my shit
1: absolutely
0: okay and so when things that i've been doing my whole life that i should be able to do in a half an hour or an hour When it becomes a comedy of errors and it takes me three or four hours to do the same thing, there's probably a reason. And so it's happening for me, right, as an opportunity for me to learn the patience, to go slow, to have attention to detail, to be more aware, right, to place more attention on certain things, right? And and so those, you know, again, it's, it's symbiotic. You know, when, when you serve someone else, you are helping the other person by helping that other person, you are helping the world because everyone who comes in contact with that person because of your service is, is benefited, but we all, we often forget the benefit that it has to us and not from a selfish standpoint, right? We're not, we shouldn't be thinking of it that way, but What you give out comes back to you and it usually comes back in greater spades. And so, you know, the fact that you are allowing him to do his laundry and I'm sure at times it might be a little frustrating, but not going there. Right. Or the kitchen is a mess. Oh boy. Right. But not going there. Right. right? And just loving people for who they are, for accepting the isness of the moment that we happen to be in. And I've even started, you know, because I, I, I think sometimes there's things like, you know, a dog might pee on the carpet or chew up a, a shoe or something, and it's, or a kid might break something. And I've really been working to always be in the headspace of, you know, you're more important than that shoe. Because a lot of times when we when we take it on other people for mm-hmm. things like that, what we're really doing is telling them that that shoe is more important than they are. Mm-hmm. I can buy another shoe,
1: right.
0: right? I can't buy a Sarah. She's mm-hmm. my friend, right? And so it's like if I'm not patient and loving and kind and respectful, right? Regardless of what might happen, you know, just like that. If he if he Break something in the kitchen, if it's dirty and you have to spend the time doing it, he's worth it, right? And and if the more we can start to feel that way and see that and and truly connect and see other people in our lives for the eternal, luminous beings that they are, right? When we can start to do that, your life will totally change. And so it's it's a blessing when things like that happen. It's such a blessing for you to have him as your child. It's a blessing for your daughter too, right? She's it's just in a different way. Sure right. But but you have those two children to help you. And as you help them, they help you. Yeah. Right. So
1: sure.
0: It's just what beautiful. Well, I'm I'm so glad that you. Hey, came on Sarah, you reached out and I'm like, Hey, yeah. The podcast. Come on, um, so I know you've, you've, you've got your book, emotional healing for parents of children with autism. How's, how's the best way for people to reach out to you to get it, to find it, where can they, where can they get it if they want it, or how can they reach you?
1: It's released on September 26th and there will be Kindle versions, audiobook versions, all of that as well. Um, uh, you can, Get it through any online channel, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, whatnot. You can always find me and the book and my podcast and all the things through my website, sarahintonato.com. And I have a resource, a free resource there for anyone who might need it, which is all centered around five ways to lower your stress now.
0: (gasps) What?
1: I'm sure everybody
0: who's listening is like, are you kidding? I'm not stressed enough.
1: <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, but I'll save that podcast for another day. Um, right. But, but yes. five ways to lower your stress now, because very often what I find in my work is people are so used to looking for the complicated, big solutions that they overlook the simple things you can do every day. Just like brushing your teeth, simple solution. You do it every day. It works. And yet, if you didn't do it you'd have a big problem and it doesn't, it's not that it it does not effective just because it's simple. And so often we overlook these simple things. So it's a reminder that you do have control over things that can help you calm and steady your nervous system right now, today. You don't have to wait for the when, then game of when I have more money, when I'm retired, you know, when I take a vacation, then I'll reduce my stress. No, do it today start it today. And everyone, everything that comes into contact with you will be better off because of that. It's for you, but it's not just for you. So that's available on the website as well. And I always remind people, I'm a real person behind the computer. So don't hesitate to say hi, send an email, let me know that this resonated with you. Have a conversation. I'm always down for that. Real human connection.
0: It's always good to have human connection and conversation. So. I'm glad that we had that here and I'm grateful to you for spending this time with me because I, I learned some things. I healed from talking with you today um, as well. And so I I really appreciate you, my friend. Um, Any, any final things that you you want to kind of leave people with before we sign them, sign off and let them have a great rest of their week.
1: I just trust that whoever needs this, episode in their life is going to receive it and if that is you i want you to reach out i too often meet people in this population who feel very isolated and i want you to know that you're not alone and everything is connected so this conversation was healing for me too i'm so glad we connected and if you're listening you're part of it so don't be shy reach out and know that you are not alone.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, thank you. Thank you for that, Sarah. Because I think a lot of times people, there's so many people that say things that they don't mean, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a call next week. No, they're saying, I never want to see you again, <laughs> right? But I mean, it's, it's from the heart what Sarah is saying right? I mean, her and I are real people. We love people. We love connecting. We love communicating with people. So, you know, you can choose to be off by yourself, but if somebody's offering, hey, reach out to me. I'm here if you need help. Just have the courage to do it. Just do one thing, right? I mean, if the fact that you're still listening to this means that something must have touched you and you felt something in it or you would have shut us off a long time ago, right? So just find that one thing. If it's reaching out to Sarah, fine. If it's one other thing that we that we talked about today, just please do something different this week, right? Because it's just doing our best every day, and just the one thing—it's uh, amazing what we can accomplish when we put one foot in front of the other every single day. So, yeah. so Sarah, thank you, my my love and gratitude to you for coming on here and um thanks for sharing your story
1: love and gratitude to you and to everyone listening as well
0: all right everybody go out and have a great week and we'll see you on the next episode of jamming with jason see ya and that's a wrap thanks for listening the fact that you listened to this entire episode means you got value and others will too Do me a favor and leave a 5-star review with comments, and then share with others. You can also check out all of my videos on my YouTube channel and my website, jasonmefford.com. This podcast is primarily for education and commentary, and does not represent professional advice. Views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals, and not of their respective organizations.